Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here. And as always, it's a pleasure to have all of our listening audience here with us today. Um, today, we are going to have a special show uh, on exorcism and really the question as to what is an exorcism? We always hear about it. We, um, you know, hear all different information about it. We have all different ideas about it. Unfortunately, there's movies. There's all different things that come out when it comes to it. But have we really stopped to think about what it is in reality, not in Hollywood reality, not in um, social reality, not in rumors and gossip reality, but what is it in terms of what the church truly, truly teaches? Because this can get lost actually even in in deliverance groups, among uh, the clergy, among different people who either haven't studied it, haven't learned it, and really take it on this uh, as a very scary, scary thing, um, as is shown in, in Hollywood and in movies. Uh, because that's where we get actually a lot of information from, whether whether we like it or not, you know, through media. So today, why don't we go ahead and say some special prayers? We're going to start with the Angelus as always, and we'll start with in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I said that we were going to start today <clears throat> by saying some special prayers, and you're going to be thinking, but Dr. Sandoval, you always pray the Angelus, and we finish the Angelus with the prayer to St. Michael. Today you just happened to add the Our Father. But does everybody realize that these prayers are actually exorcism-type prayers, or prayers that can be used during the ritual of exorcism? Uh, the Our Father, actually, it's the original exorcism. <clears throat> before the church even had a right. Notice that the Our Father, where did it come from? Does anybody remember all of our listeners? I think we should know this. It is the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. If we're wondering how to pray to God, God himself taught us how to pray to God. And he said, pray the Our Father. And Jesus included in that prayer, 
deliver us from evil at the very end. It's the very last thing, not necessarily the most important thing. The most important thing is to call God our Father. That's what he starts with. And to realize that we have a family relationship with God, not a scary relationship with God. And at the very end, deliver us from evil. That's the last thing we need to worry about. This is important to consider because this weekend we have our spiritual warfare conference coming up over at St. Joseph Catholic Church. It's going to be at 1150 West Holt Avenue in Pomona, California. Um, it is sold out. It is uh, uh, There is no longer any seating capacity for it. Uh, we are going to have some great speakers. We're going to have Father Chad Ripperger. We're going to have Jesse Romero. We're going to have Dan Schneider and Kyle Clement um, speaking during that conference. It's going to be very, very a good conference. For those of you who feel like, but I want to be there. It's an already sold out. What do I do? Feel free to go to our website uh, and you can still register for the virtual conference so you can get all the recordings uh, from that conference. And I think uh, that's actually a better way to go if you ask me uh, because <clears throat> you don't even have to be there and you still get all the information. Yeah, it's nice to be there in case you have specific questions. I will be there myself um, in case people have questions uh, in regards with mental health or addiction that a lot of times people will have. If there's no questions, that's fine too. I enjoy being there and saying hi to all of our listeners. But uh, if uh, you sign up for the virtual conference, you'll have all those talks that you can go back and listen to and get all the details down as to what uh, Father Ripperger said, what Kyle uh, said, what Dan said, and what Jesse said um, during those talks. It's very, very important. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have a special uh show today because a lot of times we want to go to this conference on spiritual warfare and we want to get an idea as to how do we fight the devil. And I think if that's really our purpose or if that's what we're going for, we're kind of missing the point. Um, the bigger point, if we will notice that I said with the, our father, it's the first prayer that where that God himself taught us and included in that God himself told us about an exorcism, but notice that he put that at the very, very end. Um, of the prayer. He didn't put that at the beginning. The first part of the prayer is all about relationship with God. You know, God, our, <clears throat> it's the, our father. So we have a family relationship with God. He's our father. He's our dad who art in heaven. We have to understand that's where we're trying to get to. He is in eternal bliss. God is eternal bliss. Being with God is eternal happiness. Hallowed be thy name. It's the second commandment, right? So the first commandment is love God like your father is really what he's saying above all else. And he is in heaven. The second commandment, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Hallowed be thy name. <clears throat> thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's kind of like going to church on Sundays. Thy will be done. I am here every Sunday to follow your will so that the rest of the week I can be following your will and not my own. You know, in reality, if we look at the Our Father, it's a breakdown of the Ten Commandments. There's no uh, question about that because right after he says, thy will be done, thy, <clears throat> thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So on earth, what's going on on earth? It's we're relating to each other. It's the other commandments. God's will for, e for each of us is that we love each other, right? On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, really refers to the Eucharist, the sacraments, right? <clears throat> and forgive us our trespasses. And here we go. This is again our relationship to everybody else as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's where deliverance is taking place. You know, as we forgive those who trespass against us. That right there, that's where that's where we're pushing the demon from us. And lead us not into temptation. Don't let us open that door. 
to the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. At the very end, there's the exorcism. How do I know? And you're going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval, you know, there's this whole deliverance conference. What do you mean it's not that important? You know, spiritual warfare, that's what's going on. That's what we're doing. That's what we're battling. That's what we're here for. We're the church militant. We have to fight the devil. Yes, that's part of what we do, but that's not the primary reason why we're here. We're here to get closer to God because then we have to ask ourselves, what happens after the exorcism? What happens after we've been delivered? What happens if we didn't need an exorcism, but we, we were delivered? Are we done? That was it? We won? No, that's actually the start. That's not even, it's, it's, we haven't even gotten to where we need to be. How do we know that? <clears throat> well, we're going to look at some Bible passages, but more than anything else, we really have to look at what is an exorcism. And that's why um, <clears throat> for the show, that's why I ask, what is it? You know, it's important to read about it, to understand it, but not to let it be something that it's not. And I think, unfortunately, through Hollywood and, and through different uh, media and, and the way that uh, demons are portrayed, we start to think that it's more powerful than, than what it really is. I went to, very simple, I, I put a link uh, on the, at the bottom of the video here to the Wikipedia page. And why? Because a lot of times we get our information just from basic internet searches. And so sometimes I do that to see, well, if somebody's going to, you know, as we say, Google or use a quick search engine to look up a topic and we look up exorcism, um, what is it that we're going to find? Well, one of them here is exorcism in the Catholic church. And it's just the Wikipedia page. And believe it or not, it's pretty accurate. You want to read it with a Catholic eye though, and understand exactly what's going on, but it's not bad. It's pretty accurate. And it gives you some good references at the bottom as to further, um, reading and what, uh, what other, uh, research you can do on your own, but it has a few sections that I thought would be interesting to go through, especially if you're going to go through this warfare conference, what is it that I'm really trying to listen to? What is it that I'm trying to understand or get out of this warfare conference? Is it about fighting the devil? If I leave there only thinking about fighting the devil and I don't think about wanting to go receive the sacraments, then the, then the conference really didn't do its job. That's not really what the purpose is. The purpose of this conference is that you want to be closer to Christ and understand that we do have to fight off temptation. We do have to open our eyes to not be fooled by demons um, into thinking that bad things are actually good so that we can get closer to Christ. There's an interesting article here from Wikipedia. It just says it's just called Exorcism in the Catholic Church. And let's look at the first sentence from it. Um, it's important to glean just there's a few good sentences out of here that we can go through so that we can understand better what it is that we're doing. The first sentence just says the Catholic Church authorizes the use of exorcism for those who are believed to be the victims of demonic possession, period. Now, why is that sentence important? The Catholic Church authorizes the use of exorcism for those who are believed to be victims of demonic possession. Because I would say the most important thing there are two real things, Catholic Church and authorizes. Why? Because Jesus, the Catholic Church, we say the Catholic Church is the only one who has the authority from Christ. We have the fullness of the deposit of the faith. That's really what it comes down to. So before we even think about demonic possessions or exorcisms, understand that the prayers need to have authority. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the one who had the authority to remove demons. Remember before Jesus came, people weren't even sure what to do. They would have the, the demoniacs in the cemeteries. They would have them, um, you know, in different places they would get away from, but they didn't know what to do with them. A lot of times they weren't able to be exercised. They didn't have the authority to tell the demons to leave. And then Jesus would come and tell the demons to leave. And what did they ask? By what authority can he do this? Is he a demon himself? They weren't sure what to do with that. It's very important to know the Catholic Church has the authority from Christ himself to perform exorcisms. 
more when we come back from the break. Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about what really is an exorcism. You know, we're going to have this conference coming up, the Deliverance Conference over in Pomona. Um, and a lot of people want to come to this and they want to find out more about the devil and demons and what all that means. But I think that if that's all our goal and focus is. And we don't go into a Deliverance Conference thinking, I want to learn more about Jesus Christ and how to get closer to him. Then we're kind of missing the point. We've lost really the idea of what the whole purpose of deliverance and exorcism is. So as we're having this topic, let's go ahead and say a few extra prayers uh, for our listeners and for myself and for anybody so that we're not unduly influenced by anything um, on the dark side. Let's say in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple of deliverance prayers right there, like we were talking about before the break. The Our Father, taught to us by Jesus Christ himself, has that deliverance prayer at the very end. And of course, we uh, ask the intercession of St. Michael, um, who stood up to all the uh, angels who did not want to follow God, um, and said, who like God? And <clears throat> was able to battle those demons, uh, those angels, and who became demons, uh, and fell into hell. So one of the important things to consider is how do we know that, you know, exorcism and deliverance is not the most important thing and getting closer to Christ is. <clears throat> this is from Jesus himself. Again, we're looking at the Bible. If you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 20, you know, the apostles are coming back to Jesus and saying, wow, you know, we were able to expel demons in your name, right? Because before Christ came, nobody could really expel demons. You needed the name of Christ. You needed Jesus himself to tell the demons to go away. People were wondering what that authority was. And we were talking a little bit before the break about the authority. We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a second. But let's look at what Jesus tells his apostles. They come back to him and they say, we are so impressed that even in your name, we're able to cast out demons because, you know, you're, you've given us that authority. And what does Jesus say? He says, he says, stop rejoicing because the spirits are submitting to you. Instead, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. This is really the takeaway we have to have from this. Jesus himself is telling them, don't be so impressed by deliverance and exorcisms. You know, a lot, it's easy to get wrapped up into that because all of a sudden you're putting your focus on these demons as though they're important. And guess what? That's what they want. That's what they feed off of. They want to be important. Why? Because they lost any semblance of important when they decided to go to hell. They lost their, um, their sense of, of being angelic and they became demonic, though they keep an angelic nature. But at the same time, now all their actions and everything are toward da damnation, pain, suffering, instead of the joys and glory of heaven. And what does Jesus tell his apostles again? He says, stop rejoicing because these spirits are submitting to you. Instead, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't pay attention to these demons submitting to you. 
I expect that to happen. I told you I have that authority. But if that's what you're going to focus on, if that's what you're going to look at, well, then you're kind of missing the point. What about your names being in heaven? And then let's look at Luke chapter 10. Um, <clears throat> let's actually look at some of the sentences um, Jesus said before that. He said, well, this is, actually, this is where the whole passage comes out. Let's read the whole patch, package, passage because it's really nice. It's verse 17 through 20. It says, the severity, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. <clears throat> and he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nonetheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. That's important to know. Why is that important to know? Because Jesus is saying, yes, I'm giving you the authority. Remember I said in that sentence, if you're reading Wikipedia, it's very easy to get lost in what's important. The important thing is the Catholic faith, the Catholic church, because that's where the deposit of the faith is, and the fact that Jesus has given the church the authority. He said, I have given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. This is what we need to think of when we go to deliverance conference. Jesus already gave us that authority. What's the purpose of coming to this deliverance conference? Is really an understanding of two things. One, how do we use that authority? What's the purpose of that authority? Why did he let us tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and tell us that nothing would injure us? And then right after that says, but don't pay attention to that. Don't be happy about that. He says, do not rejoice in this. If that's where we find our joy, that we can defeat demons, we're losing the point. Even Jesus is telling us. He says, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. We've got to bring our focus back to the fact that, no, just because I, I uh, you know, made these demons go away and I was able to tread on this with the authority of Christ in his name, not by my own power. I think that if we start rejoicing in this and start getting happy, we, that's where we start to fall into this trap of, I think I have special gifts. I think I have this gift to hear voices or to remove demons. And that is no good for anybody. Once we start thinking that we have some kind of a special gift or some kind of a charism in that respect, boy, we start following down a, a, a pit. Because then all of a sudden we want attention. We want people to pay attention to our gift. We become the, the source of enlightenment and we all of a sudden we become the source of pride. And what's Jesus saying? No, be happy that your books are written in the, in the book of heaven. Why? That your names are written in the book of heaven. Why? Because in order for our names to be written and recorded in the book of heaven, we have to go in it with humility. We have, if we, if we look at ourselves as having this authority over demons, we think we're powerful. If I look at myself as somebody who needs to have my name recorded in heaven, well, what's it take for me to get my name recorded in heaven? I have to have the humility of our lady. I have to get down and realize that I am nothing and that God is my only guide. That's hard to do because it's very easy to have this pride of saying, oh, you know, I know about demons. Um, I know how to get rid of them. I'm going to help people get rid of demons. All of a sudden I'm important and I want importance and I'm going to call people and tell them I'm going to come and, and talk about this or give you a talk if we haven't been called to do so, um, you know, by either a priest or somebody uh, who understands that. But at the same time, what's the point of doing all that if I wasn't humble enough to get into the into the book of heaven? That getting my name on the book of heaven means I recognize that Jesus is the one who writes that name and I'm subject to Christ. So if I start focusing on, oh, these demons are subject to me and what do I have to do? What prayers do I have to say? What are the symptoms? I've already, I'm losing the battle. So we can't go into a conference thinking, I'm going to learn how to defeat the, the demons. What it is, is I'm going to learn how to be humble before Christ and not fall for the tricks of the demons. That's really where we need to be. Let's look at the next sentence back in that Wikipedia um, page, <clears throat> because this is important. 
unlike the sacrament, unlike, excuse me, unlike a sacrament, um, exorcisms, integrity and efficacy do not depend on the rigid use of an unchanging formula or on the ordered sequence of prescribed actions. Let's look at why. Because it says in the Roman, uh, in Roman Catholicism, exorcism is a sacramental. If anybody listened to my talk last week on blessings and and medicine, um, you know that according to even the Catholic bishops, what is a sacramental is just a blessing. It's not a sacrament. It's a blessing that helps us to receive the grace of the sacraments. It prepares us to receive the grace of the sacraments. Again, if we look at this whole uh, idea of exorcism, it's only a sacramental. It's not a sacrament. It's not like going to baptism. It's not like going to mass. You don't have to prepare for it. Like you're going to meet Christ in the exorcism. You have to realize I have to prepare to meet Christ because if I have a deliverance prayer or an exorcism, then that makes me ready to receive Christ. So let's look at that again. In Roman Catholicism, exorcism is a sacramental. Really, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing of the whole church, but it's not a sacrament. Unlike baptism or confession, Unlike a sacrament, its integrity and efficacy do not depend on the rigid use of an unchanging formula or the ordered sequence of prescribed actions. Unlike the, the liturgy, right? In the, in the mass, we, in order for the, for the bread and the wine to be turned into the body and blood of Christ, there is a specific formula that the priest has to follow. There's a specific rubric that he has to pray um, in order for that sacrament to be valid, just like in the sacrament of baptism. There are specific prayers that need to be said in order for that sacrament to be valid. Um, let's look at this. It says it's efficacy. So what does it depend on? If it doesn't depend on a sacrament, uh, the way a sacrament does on a formula and an order sequence of uh, prescribed actions, what does it depend on? It depends on two elements. For a sacramental to be valid, it depends on two elements. Again, it goes back to authorization from valid and licit church authorities. Again, that sense of authority is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because a lot of times people feel like, I can perform an exorcism. I can do that. Do you have that authority? Did Christ give you that authority? No. According to the catechism of the Catholic Church, according to canon law, only a priest with the permission of the bishop. So a bishop already is the exorcist, and he can do an exorcism anytime he wants. There's no question about that. By the by, its very nature of the office of bishop, he is the exorcist. But he can give a priest that permission as well. He can uh, give them permission to perform an exorcism, but that's it. Not a deacon, not a layperson. Why? Because we don't have that authority. Now, can it be efficacious? Sure, it can be efficacious. We can go in there and try to do an exorcism and can it work? Perhaps, but that's like giving somebody who doesn't have a, a like a, giving a 10-year-old a new car and tell him to go drive. Can a 10-year-old turn on the car and drive? Yeah, would you trust him with it? Probably not. There's a reason why we have a driver's license. And even when somebody has a driver's license, which gives them the authority to drive, that means that they studied about it, they know about it, and they know how to drive a car. And even then it takes practice. Nobody can drive a car right off the bat, right? Would I give somebody who just got their license a brand new car? I would say, hang on, you're going to need some practice with that. Would I give a car to a 10-year-old? Goodness, no, because what's going to happen? They're going to crash without having any kind of authority, any practice. This is where a layperson trying to do an exorcism might as well give a 10-year-old a car. So these are the important things to consider as we're going to any kind of a deliverance conference or understanding. Why is it that the priest or the bishop are the ones who have the authority? Because Christ gave him the authority. He gave him that license. They're the ones who have that license to do it. Um, and nobody else nobody else does. Um, let's look at what else it says about that. So its efficacy depends on two things. The first thing we just talked about was the authority um, from valid and listed church authorities. And part two, the faith of the exorcism. So just because I have a driver's license 
doesn't mean I have the experience of driving. And that's where the faith comes in, right? So if I've been driving a little bit more, I know the roads, I know the street, I might've taken a few red lights, I might've hit a few bumps on the road, and now I'm coming up on the road again. Oh, wait, I've been here before. I better veer this way or veer that way. Experience is the best teacher. And that's where the faith of the exorcism, if you have an, uh, of the exorcist, if you have an exorcist who understands the road and says, oh, I've been here before, I have faith. I can take it patiently. I'm not in a rush. I don't need to speed. I'm going to follow the rules of the road. That's what you really need. If you have an exorcist who's gung-ho or a priest who's very young who doesn't understand um, or he's constantly turning to lay people to uh, uh, know how to run the exorcism, um, <clears throat> you want to be weary. You want to, you want to uh, say, you know, what's this priest doing? He's always turning to the backseat drivers. You got to make sure that <clears throat> when the priest is there, that he understands that he has the authority. Yeah, he might need some advice or, you know, every once in a while you're driving and you ask somebody, hey, for directions or something along those lines. But the reality is the person in charge of the vehicle needs to know what they're doing. And so those are the important things. So again, in order for the exorcism to be valid and for it to work, you need the authority from the church and the faith of the exorcist. It runs on faith. It's not a sacrament. And the sacraments are going to happen whether the priest has faith or not. If a priest doesn't have faith in confession, but he says the, the words of absolution, your sins are absolved. If the priest doesn't have faith in terms of uh, consecration, but he's a priest, consecration is going to happen. When it comes to sacramentals, there's the element of faith. And if the priest doesn't have faith, probably not going to work well. So more about this when we come back from the break. We're going to talk a little bit more about what do we approach? How do we want to approach a conference on deliverance and exorcism? All right, well, welcome back to Dr. Lee Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about our upcoming conference on deliverance. And for those of you joining us in person or those of you joining us virtually, I'm just uh, having a special show today because I want to make sure that we understand what does this mean and why are we going to this conference? What kind of a heart and mind should we bring to this conference? Uh, and hopefully not walk out of there thinking that we are going to be junior exorcists or anything along those lines. It is important to note, though, that the whole purpose of this conference is to look at where are the pitfalls and what pitfalls might we encounter, what temptations might be there, what things might veer us away from our path to Christ. Our focus is our path to Christ, and that's really what I want to find out. When I go to this conference, every time I'm taking notes or listening to something, I got to think to myself, where is Jesus in my life? Where is Christ in my life? You know, the month of January is dedicated to the name of Christ, and it's obviously through the name of Christ. That's our authority to get rid of the demons or anything dark in our life. So it's important to always have that in our hearts, have the name of Christ in our hearts, especially if we go to this deliverance conference. Um, let's go ahead and say a few prayers again so that we can continue to ask for our Lord's blessing and that we may not be influenced by anything negative. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before the break, we were talking about <clears throat> what's the difference between an 
a sacramental and a sacrament because we have to understand exorcism to be merely a sacramental. And by merely, I don't mean not that big a deal, but a lot of people really try to make the exorcism seem like it's more than what it really is. You know, the exorcism is strictly this. This is what the Catechism of the Church says. It says, when the church asks publicly and authoritatively, remember, we need the authority from Christ, So the author- and the authority from Christ has been given to the prelates, to the ordinary, to the bishop and the priest. Uh, we need the authority from Christ in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdrawn from his dominion. That's what it is. That's all the, exorc- the exorcism is. Notice all we're doing is saying we're asking publicly. We're saying it out loud to heaven. We're asking heaven to pray for us and intercede for us and to reclaim that soul, to reclaim that person if they are being demonically influenced. Why? We need the authority of Jesus Christ because Christ is claiming us and saying, you belong to me. This is really where we see the interesting thing about exorcism. It's a blessing where we see the church come up against the gates of hell and the gates of hell come up against the church and really claim the person and say, what's going on here? Who does this person belong to? The hard part is this, that person has a choice and that person has a choice. And by that person, I mean any of us, all of us, we have a choice to go either through the gates of hell or the gates of heaven. And that right now if we're saying, gosh, I think I'm headed towards the gates of hell. I don't like it. I feel I'm being demonically influenced. I don't like it. I feel there's darkness in my life. I'm, I feel the, the hell upon me. I feel symptoms of hell, if you will. Then we can say, okay, we want to get rid of these symptoms. We want to get rid of any demonic entities that might be influencing the person. Let's bring them back in crisis, claiming them for themselves. Keep in mind, just because a person might be demonically influenced does not necessarily mean that they're in the state of sin, although that is the most common way to get there, right? So we hear, you say, well, Dr. Sandoval, what about the saints? What about saints who were demonically influenced or demonically attacked? Yeah, that happens, right? So if we're in a good path, the demons are going to try to veer us away from that and we might be demonically attacked, but that doesn't mean that we're not in the state of grace. The problem comes when we open the doors through sin to be demonically influenced. And that's where it gets a little bit more challenging because you ask the person, are you willing to give up the sin? Are you willing to lead a life with Christ? If the person's not ready and willing to do that, what are the odds of this exorcism happening? What are the odds of them not being influenced by the demonic? Well, if the priest comes in with the prayers, it's possible we could ask the demons to leave. But just like in that gospel where it says, the demons were exercised, but he didn't. The, the person did not fill themselves with Christ. The demon said, I'm going to go back to my old house and found it empty. We need to make a decision. If the demon's gone and there's evil influence in our lives or we're not leading a good life or a path that we know is going to lead us to Christ, that's going to get us our name in the book of life, as Jesus said, then we have to make that choice. Do we do that? If we don't and we decide, you know what? I kind of like my temptation too much. I kind of like my sin too much. I think it's okay then that could be a problem, right? Because all of a sudden we're, we're right back to where we started. We opened ourselves up to negative influences. At the same time, if we're leading a holy life and we feel that we're being tempted or things along those lines, that doesn't mean that we're not in the state of grace. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go to heaven. It means that we need to pray and offer things to God. Uh, a lot of people feel that they're a victim soul, which may or may not be the case. But at the end of the day, you want to talk to your priest. You want to talk to um, somebody who you want to go to confession. You want to uh, really get spiritual counseling from a priest um, to have a better idea as to what might be going on and what you might be able to do to not have that influence. Let's look at something else here. Um, the other issue with the exorcisms. Let's look at what canon law has to say of the church. It can be exercised. The canon law of the church says that exorcisms can only be exercised by an ordained priest or higher prelate, obviously, 
with the express permission of the local bishop and only after careful medical examination to exclude the possibility of mental illness. This is where I come in. So this is where a lot of my patients will come and they tell me that they feel like they're being influenced by demons or being influenced by the demonic or dark powers. And the reality is that might not be the case. Now, let's look at some of these symptoms. Let's, well, actually, let's back up a little bit and let's look at what we have to look at in terms of mental health versus demonic influence because we need to do a good medical examination, a good psychiatric examination in order to really be able to distinguish that. Let's look at what the things or the indicators of potential demonic influence are, okay? And it says things listed in the Roman ritual. So this is a Roman ritual where the prayer of exorcism is um, as being indicators of possible demonic possession include speaking foreign or ancient languages of which the possessed has no prior knowledge. So now if somebody is influenced or say that they're fully possessed, um, they're able to speak other languages. And it's not that the person speaking the language, obviously it's the demon speaking through them, and the demon can speak any language that God allows them to use. So that's one of the things to consider as a foreign language. Supernatural abilities and strength. And by supernatural abilities, we're talking about real supernatural abilities. A lot of times I've seen people say, oh, well, that person really fought us really hard or, or they tried to hurt somebody. That's not a supernatural ability. Supernatural ability is like we're looking in, like in the Bible where uh, one of the demoniacs was breaking chains all the time and they couldn't contain him. That's a supernatural ability. Nobody can, you, you look at something, you're like, nobody can do that. But if that's happening, okay, that's supernatural strength. So that's, that's the second one. Another one is knowledge of hidden or remote things which the possessed has no way of knowing. So if somebody has information that they give you, say somebody's personal sins or something else along those lines, or they can tell you of something that's going to happen or predict the future, and nobody else could really know that, that's point number three, right? So this is hidden knowledge. A lot of exorcists are, uh, who are a little bit more um, experienced in this will tell you, you know, it's very similar. If somebody does come up with, say, a foreign language, as we said, which was the first point, that already tells me hidden knowledge. How are they going to know a language that they've never spoken before? Um, so that's another way to do that. So sometimes they, they uh, lump those together, and that's fine. Um, and then lastly, an aversion to anything holy um, and profuse blasphemy and or sacrilege. So those are the four big things, right? So a foreign, being able to speak a foreign language that, that they've never been able to speak, which is really the language of God's allowing the demons to speak. Supernatural abilities and strength, which is really God allowing the demon to uh, demonstrate those abilities. Knowledge of something remote or hidden. The angels obviously know more, more than we do. They have a higher intellect. And an aversion to anything holy and profuse blasphemy and or sacrilege. That's right. Those are the four points. Why? Because the demons obviously are not going to like uh, anything holy. Um, it's interesting to, to see that people will say, well, I can't receive communion or I can't uh, be in front of the tabernacle. Or if I do receive communion, that means that I'm not possessed or demonically influenced. It depends. It all depends on the situation. Can somebody who's fully possessed receive communion? Sure, if God allows it, if that's the case, if, if that's what they're able to do, it's possible. You know, there's no, nothing set in stone. Every one of us is different. It's no different than saying, you know, I see so many different people say with depression, but every depression is different because it affects different people in different ways. Or I see a lot of people with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and people who have been exposed to the same traumas, one person might be influenced by it, the other person might not. It's the same thing when it comes to this. We got to look at each case individually. And this is why having a medical professional who knows what they're doing um, or and working together with a priest is very, very important. Why? 
because you start having that same diagnostic idea. The priest, you know, when you go to confession, he's kind of diagnosing you spiritually. He's looking at your situation. He's looking at what you're going through. He's, this is why it's important to tell the priest of my last confession, how many times I've sinned, what the particular sins are. All these are important because he's diagnosing at that time. He's saying, wait a minute, where are you? What's this pitfall? What's going on? Um, at the same time, um, if somebody's uh, demonically uh, influenced, the priest might see that, right? In the same way in the medical world, if somebody's coming to me and they're having the same illness, the same mental health issues, I start to diagnose that. I have to ask some of the qu- same questions. When we go to the priest, we say, this has been my last time since my last confession. When I see somebody in clinic, I ask them, how long have you had these symptoms, right? What's the intensity of these symptoms? How often do they happen? Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? You know, is it, so it's a very similar clinical diagnosis, but one of them is a, a physical clinic and the other one's a spiritual clinic. So this is why it's important when we put our minds together, you have two clinicians, if you will, a spiritual clinician and a, and a medical clinician putting the information together and really understanding what's going on. Um, so those are the four big things that the church is talking about uh, when it comes to that. Now, some people feel that they're, that they are having uh, that because there's other signs. So it says signs of demonic invasion vary depending on the type of demon and its purpose. And this is true, but this is why, like I said, different depressions, different uh, anorexias, different uh, even high blood pressures, diabetes, they're all different because the individual is different. There could be different signs on top of those four signs that I mentioned that the church gives us authority and an understanding of. You know, this article lists a few different ones and it's important to look at this and say, could this be medical or could this be strictly spiritual? Well, a loss, loss or lack of appetite, that happens all the time with depression or anxiety. Can that happen by demonic influence? Perhaps. Cutting, scratching, and biting of skin, happens all the time in mental health, uh, does not have to be demonically influenced. Could it be demonically influenced? Perhaps, because demons, for the most part, will try to do violent things. A cold feeling in the room, that's a little bit different. So if all of a sudden you're in the room and the temperature just drops, as happens sometimes at prayer sessions and things of that nature, then yeah, that's a little bit different, right? I can't say that that's um, a mental health issue if everybody's experiencing the same thing. Um, you know, the, the change in the temperature, that's definitely supernatural, preternatural unnatural body postures and change in the person's face and body. That one's interesting. And we're going to have to talk more about that when we come back from the break, because you are going to see some of that in mental illness, but it's going to look very different if it's being uh, influenced by uh, the spiritual realm. More about that when we come back on the other side of the break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we're having a special show on exorcism. And really, what is the purpose of an exorcism? What really is an exorcism? Let's demystify this and not make it more than it is, but not make it less than it is either. We're going to go ahead and say uh, a few prayers to protect us, all of our listeners, and anybody listening and anybody here in the studio. So let's start with that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host. By the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits 
who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, we just said three prayers that could be considered prayers of deliverance, right? Um, we said the Our Father, which at the very end, Jesus tells us, deliver us from evil. We said the Hail Mary, uh, and we said the prayer to St. Michael, uh, which we know that we ask St. Michael to intercede for us, uh, fighting the demons. But how is the prayer of the Hail Mary um, a deliverance prayer? A lot of people might not think of that as a deliverance prayer. Now, if anybody has heard stories of exorcisms and whatnot, we all know that as soon as Our Lady shows up, it's over, right? Everybody always says, up, oh, the Lady showed up, Our Lady showed up, Mary showed up. This exorcism's over, demons are going to be gone. They cannot handle um, the humility and the holiness of Our Lady, her proximity to Christ as a human being uh, compared to everybody else because obviously she was born without sin. But how is the Hail Mary possibly a prayer of deliverance? Well, if we think about it, I was listening to Father Peter Glass uh, in one of his talks, and he mentioned a few things. He mentioned how the Angelus and the Hail Mary are very, well, the Hail Mary, which is incorporated in the Angelus, are extreme prayers of deliverance because what is the Hail Mary? It is the incarnation of Christ. It is the story of the incarnation of Christ. It is the words of the Archangel Gabriel letting Our Lady know that Christ was coming to the world. A lot of times when people tell you, oh, you guys worship Mary and you pray to Mary. Well, we do pray to Mary the same way that we pray to the saints, the same way that we pray to each other, and we ask each other to pray for us, and we ask for intercessions. But when we pray the Hail Mary, if we think about it, it's very, very Christ-centered. It's the words of the Archangel Mike, uh, Gabriel, excuse me, telling Our Lady about the incarnation, about Christ, when she said yes, when she allowed Christ to come into the world. What a terrifying moment for demons. When Our Lady said yes, when, the, when our Lord and Savior was going to come into the world to vanquish darkness and to get rid of demons. Notice, our Lord and Savior is doing that, not us. We use his authority to do it, and we use faith. Now, which of those prayers is the most powerful? If you have the option between praying the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the prayer to St. Michael, or even the Angelus, which is going to be the most powerful? There is an answer. There is one that's more powerful than the others. The one that's going to be most powerful is the one that you're going to have the most faith with. That's what it comes down to. Remember, how did I say that this is going to work? Exorcisms are going to work based on the authority given to us by Christ in the deposit of the faith and by the amount of faith. If you were listening to our last show, there's no healing without faith in Christ. Christ went into certain towns and he could not do any healings, perform any miracles with people who had no faith in him. It's no different. If I don't have faith in Christ, what's the point of me going to get a deliverance prayer or an exorcism done? I've got to have a moment of faith. I've got to have that strength and uh, that faith that I'm going to be get closer to Christ. And if the Lord's prayer is going to give me that faith and make me understand that, that how important God is and that I should turn my life to God, then that's the prayer. The Our Father is the one that's going to do it. If the Hail Mary is going to help me do it, then the Hail Mary is the one that I need to pray because that's what's getting me closer to Christ. If praying in the prayer to St. Michael and understanding what St. Michael had to do and declaring that there was no supremacy, no primacy other than God, then that's the prayer I need to pray in order to get closer to having God as the primacy in my heart and in my mind. So whichever prayers, sacramentals bring you closer to Christ um, and to understanding and putting God first in our lives, that's the prayer. That's the prayer that's going to work for each individual person. Like I was saying before the break, we're going through some of the symptoms that people might experience uh, if they're being demonically influenced. But again, we have to look at, are these medical or is this particular person uh, really experiencing this due to a demonic influence? I was starting to read some of these. Um, and one of them I mentioned 
we ended up on unnatural bodily postures and change in the person's face and body. Now, I've seen this happen before where the person was not demonically influenced. People who experience a bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, they can go into fits of rage where all of a sudden you see contortions of the face, if you will, just because they're so angry, their muscles are clenched, not because of something demonically influenced, and it's not necessarily wrath, but because they're either um, <clears throat> their anger is coming from their mental illness. That being the case, um, it's understandable. You give them their medication, they calm down, and there's a reaction to the medication. If somebody's experiencing these symptoms, but there's no reaction to medication, then you got to wonder, where is this coming from? Right? So then another um, symptom is the possessed losing control over their normal personality and entering into a frenzy or rage and or attacking others. Again, I've seen this with bipolar disorder. So if somebody goes into a manic episode, um, this could be the case. And so you give a medication and it's subdued. If it's demonically influenced, again, medication's not going to do a whole heck of a lot. A change in the person's voice that you has, has to be taken one step at a time and knowing the person, are they faking it? Is it truly a different voice? Super. Okay. So this is where it overlaps. Supernatural physical strength, not subject to the person's build or age. We talked about this before the supernatural strength, but it's got to be true supernatural strength. Honestly, I've been on psychiatric wards where I've seen very, very small framed people being able to find off, fight off security guards because security guards are trying to, uh, uh, as much as they can to hold the person, but the person's just moving around so much that they're really hard to control. And it had nothing to do with supernatural strength. It was just their ability to fight, uh, fight off people. This has to be true supernatural strength. Speaking in tongues that the person cannot have learned before. Again, this is, we talked about this before. If the person's speaking a language that there's no way they could have known, we have to consider the spiritual the next one's the same, knowledge of past events that the person cannot have known about, knowledge of present events the person is not that the person did not witness or having knowledge about and prediction of future events that becomes accurate. So and it says sometimes through dreams here in this article. And that's true. Those those uh, those we've hit three of those uh, that the church has authorized. The next symptom says levitation and moving of objects or things. Now, this is not something that the church needs to see in order for uh, it to be declared a possession or demonic influence, but obviously it's also not something that can be medically justified. Uh, if somebody's levitating or there's a movement of object or things, I cannot say that this was something medical because we, that does not exist in the natural world. Things do not levitate unless it's something like a balloon filled with helium. And of course we say we can explain that through science, but a body levitating against gravity, I cannot explain that other than with the preternatural. Uh, expelling of objects or things. Uh, so sometimes you'll hear about an exorcism as a person will, will, something will manifest in their mouth, a nail, metal, something along those lines, and they spit that out. But you know that the person had not swallowed before, but you got to be careful because some people in mental health wards actually do swallow things and that can be very dangerous. Um, intense hatred or aversion and violent reaction towards religious objects. That was point number four that the church has authorized, right? So an aversion to the sacred, the knowledge of events that the person could have known about, knowledge of other languages and supernatural strength. Those are the four items that somebody, that means that somebody could potentially be experiencing something spiritual. Um, and lastly, it's an apathy towards entering a church, speaking in Jesus name or hearing scripture, excuse me, it says antipathy. So anger towards, towards, uh, entering a church, speaking in Jesus names or hearing scripture. Uh, that one just depends. It depends on the person and, and what they're doing. I would not hang my head on that one because a lot of people really don't like going into a church. Why? If they know that they're leading a life that they either, uh, were told that they shouldn't lead or they regret their sins or anything along those lines. They might not want to go into church or somebody might have had a really bad experience with the church and they don't want to go into a church. So I don't necessarily judge that. Now, why is it important to go through those? 
because it's important to consider the fact that a lot of times we want to, a lot of people want something to be demonically influenced or they feel important when something's demonically influenced and they actually start to feed into it, whether it be the person themselves, somebody on a deliverance team, somebody from the outside, all of a sudden they feel that everything is, is deliverance and demonically influenced. And that's not necessarily the case. Why is that dangerous to all of a sudden think that way or to think, oh my goodness, look, they have this one symptom. And so that means that it's got to be a demon for sure. You don't want to think that because you want to rule out mental illness because of this. Let's look at what the Catholic, Catholic Encyclopedia says. The Catholic Encyclopedia says, superstition ought not to be confounded with religion, however much their history may be interwoven, nor magic, however white it may be with legitimate religious right. These things, uh, it says things listed in the Roman rituals being, oh, we already talked about the indicators, but let's read that sentence again, and this is why it's important. When we look at these symptoms and all of a sudden we start to think, oh my goodness, this is a demonic influence. I got to help out my loved one, my cousin, my friend, my wife, my whoever it is. This is demonic. I got to help them out. Here's the problem. Let's look at what the Catholic Encyclopedia says again. It said, superstition ought not to be confounded with religion, however much their history may be interwoven, nor magic, however white it may be with illegitimate religious right. I mentioned that because what it's saying is we cannot mix superstition. We cannot go over to look for quote unquote white magic because sometimes we start to believe that and we say, oh my goodness, my family members got this. They're being influenced by the demon because they've got these symptoms and I'm going to go to the priest. I'm going to go to the church and talk to them and let them know this is what it is. They're obviously going to see the symptoms. They're obviously going to tell me how bad this is. And they're obviously going to tell me that they need an exorcism right away. And we show up to church and we get to the office and we knock on the door and we ask for a priest. And if we're lucky, a priest comes out and shows up and looks at the person and says, well, do you want me to say a prayer over them? Or have you gone to church? Uh, have you thought about saying a few prayers? And, and that's it. And you say, but, but father, they need the exorcism right now. They're not doing well. Look at, they have these symptoms. They're not, their appetite's bad. And uh, also they're cutting and uh, um, they, they, um, they had a change in their voice. And then the priest says, well, have you gone to a doctor? Have they, and you say, oh, you're not listening to me. This is demonically influenced. And for all we know, the priest is not inspired at that time by the Holy Spirit. We got to remember that the priest is the authority. And if he's not getting a sense that this is demonically influenced and he's telling you, go get a medical evaluation first. A lot of times we're going to leave disheartened and we're going to say, they don't know what they're doing. You know what? I need answers. I'm going to go down the street and there's a psychic over there. They're going to read my tarot cards for me. There's somebody else who's doing the Ouija board. And I know that they're going to be able to somehow through engaging in the spiritual world, get rid of this because they're going to get rid of this. Or in the Hispanic com you know, community, very common, I'm going to go see a curandero, which is a witch doctor. And they're going to go there and they're going to give me a potion and they're going to do something called the limpia, which is a cleansing. And they're going to do all these things and we're going to get rid of this de uh, the demonic influence. That's the danger we fall into. If we don't go into a conference thinking, I need to get closer to Christ, we're going to be very disheartened when we don't get the answers that we've already decided we need. And that's the danger that we can fall into. We got to remember just because there's symptoms there, one, we need to pray about it. Two, we need to talk to a priest and listen to what they have to say. Three, see if there is a deliverance group around that might be able to help us out. But at the end of the day, we got to put our faith in Christ because if the priest is telling us that this might not be happening, guess what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray more. And I'm going to say, God, if this is something you want to get rid of, if this is something demonically influenced, guide me in the right way so I know which priest to talk to, which church to go to, Help me prepare for a good confession and a good communion, which is going to get rid of all this anyway. Don't let me focus so much on a sacramental, like deliverance or exorcism, but help me focus on gaining the sacraments and being closer to you. And at the end of the day, more importantly than anything else, please do not let me go 
to anyone who's not Catholic or who's a witch doctor or who's going to lead me down the wrong path. We'll see you at the conference this weekend. And until next time, this is Dr. Lee Sandoval wishing you good Catholic health.